Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to ESPN's Footy Pod. We're back for a bit of a special episode to start off this week. It's me, Marissa Lodanik and Marnie Vinyl today. We're on the lands of the Wurundjeri people and we want to pay respect to their elders past and present. We're very, very excited. We've got a special guest joining us today ahead of finals. We thought it would be a good time to kind of have a little chat about the season that we've just seen and a little preview of finals with someone who knows her stuff. So we're very, very excited to welcome Premiership winner with the Brisbane Lions, Lauren Arnell, to the pod. So Lauren, thanks for jumping on with us. Thank you both. Should be good to chat some footy. Yeah. Very exciting. It is such an honour and pleasure and just joy to be chatting with you. I'm so excited. I feel like I have so many questions, but I do just (laughs) want to start with the Lions are such a force to be reckoned with. They're one of the most successful teams and this year, again, just incredible. In simple terms, how good are the Brisbane Lions? Oh, The Brisbane Lions group, particularly this year, I think they've taken more strides. I'm really excited to see how the final series goes for that group of girls because not only are they a wonderful group of people, um, they've got some incredible staff around them who work so hard um, to put them in the best position to succeed. And after the success of last year, um, talking to some coaches I'm working with at the moment, just talking this week around um, belief that you gain from actually winning a premiership goes a long way to going back to back. And I know that a lot of my old teammates would probably prefer me to not talk about back-to-back. I think um, just knowing that belief that you gain from having that true success in 2021 goes goes a huge way, particularly with the adversity that every club's had to face throughout this year and, um, you know, different clubs to different levels. But the resilience required is um, greater than has ever been required in AFLW to perform. So I think really well-positioned, the Lions group, and um, super excited to see how they go. Is that momentum from winning a premiership, does that go into the next season or is it viewed at the very start like this is a clean slate, different season? Uh, I think it really depends on the group, to be honest. I think only internally would you really know the answer to that. For for myself, um, really fortunate to also have played at Darabin for for 12 years before AFLW existed. And for us, we were really um, fortunate to be as successful as we were with, with a large number of premierships and each year we were able to reset. And it was a very, it was really clear that it was there was never any conversation in that space around um, what happened the previous year. It was always around what's next, what can we do to get better, what's required this year. And so, um, like I said internally, there's only there's only a real true measure once you know what's going on inside inside a footy club. Um, and externally, we can only assume. Um, but you know, if you look at on face value and and where the club is sitting at the moment, you have to say it's all about this year. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But it's not just the Lions who have been doing very well this season. So I'm curious your thoughts on some of the other teams that are, you know, well in premiership contention, the likes of the Crows, the likes of the Dees. Who's impressed you? Who are you looking the liking the look of? <laughs> There's a number of teams who um, obviously six, 16 final series, so number of teams in contention, but if you look towards the top end of the ladder, it becomes a bit more obvious which teams are stronger and for me, you always want momentum going into finals. You don't want to be stumbling and, and losing games a week or two out from finals. And, um, you know, you have to have a look at the Ds to say that they're really building some strong momentum. You can see, I know one thing about a season as it gets longer, and fortunately AFLW is that extra week longer this year. Um, 
the longer a season goes, you want to see progression in, in how you play and, and development across your group. And I think um, Melbourne has done that as well as anyone throughout this AFLW season. So it's um, they're an exciting team to watch play footy. They've got really nice balance across the field. And I think um, a list that isn't ageing out as much as they've got a couple of players, particularly days who's, who's that little bit older, I think um, they're younger players and, and that middle tier is it bodes well for their future. And I was really hoping the Doggies would make the finals. I absolutely love watching the Western Bulldogs and worked a fair bit with Nathan Burke on radio um, when I was living in Melbourne. And um, I, I really love watching the Doggies play, but I'm not sure um, the maths is got, has fallen their way this year, but um, a really exciting team for the future. Fremantle, you look at and another team that's enjoyable to watch when they have their best players out there. Um, and I think with with both Antonio's and Kiara Bowers in that side, um, they can beat anybody. And then, of course, there's Adelaide and, um, you know, if Erin's fit and Sarah Allen's firing and I think Aloise Jones is is probably an underrated player for the Crows as well, um, you know, they have the ability to, to win at crucial times as well. So, you know, I, if I had to throw two teams out there, it would have to be the Brisbane Lions and, and Melbourne for myself at the moment. Um but we do know that anything can happen in a final series. Definitely. Um, and just for clarity, we are recording on Friday and this will go up Monday. So we don't know if Western Bulldogs have made it yet. They could have. We'll have to wait and see. If they do, I will be losing my mind as the resident yeah. Bulldog on this podcast. Doggy supporter? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so good choice. Hoping, but, yeah, I very much agree with you that I'm not confident with the way things have kind of fallen this season, but it's also a good segue to kind of ask you about, you mentioned it a little bit earlier that this season has just been, you you couldn't get through it without adversity. Every team has had some level of chaos thrown upon it. The dogs are a great example. The lions have also been a really good example. And you were very vocal on Twitter about it. The condensed schedule, trying to fit so many games in so many days, because of COVID and then obviously travel and all of this stuff has just turned it into a perfect kind of storm of bad. So how are you looking at this situation from the outside now and what can we do better? I feel like there's an obvious answer there, but what can we do better to kind of ease this adversity once COVID kind of becomes less uh, less of an issue? I think that there's so many things that come into play um, within within what you're asking, Marissa. Um, I think in the immediate future, obviously, I'm I'm still quite close with with a lot of the group at, at the Lions um, and a number of girls around the league in other clubs. And um, you know, day to day, what eases um, anxiety and stress, workload, whether that's um, job outside of footy or what's happening as a player. Um, honestly it's just get some sleep and eat well and have some good people around you um and you know that goes for any professional athlete and I think long term the conversation is developing and um with a potential announcement coming around what next season looks like um things begin to develop as well around hopefully um sooner rather than later there's there's a longer season and and a larger wage and and more realistic wage for our athletes um and then hopefully that that allows for staff as well and um, I do need to be a bit more diplomatic than perhaps what my tweet suggested um, at the time. Um, but, you know, obviously um, having been in that space for a, a number of years, I think I played five seasons. Sometimes I forget how long it went for because it feels like so long ago now. Um, but I, I think about the staff as well. 
um, and everyone involved at the footy club who who support those teams and and you know even within the AFL there's there's so many people that allow for an AFLW season to be played um, and it feels like we're making progress. Yeah, definitely feels like we're making progress. There's um, We're asking so much of these players and just demanding so much from them and it's a really good reminder that they are just human beings as well. You know what you say with like sleeping well and eating well and just being in good circles of people. Sometimes it's hard to just be like, yeah, they're just human beings as well as athletes. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, sometimes we can forget that when people are on TV and mm. in a newspaper article or online and social media tells different stories of, of what may or may not be somebody's life. Um, you're right. AFLW plays as much as anyone else are just regular everyday people who happen to be pretty good at footy and extremely driven and motivated individuals and um, also really blessed with the people that they have around them. So, you know, it, it can be a really challenging space, but there's also many rewards that come with it. And, um, you know, I hope that for all of the players in that in the league at the moment and those coming through that hope to be drafted, that there's more to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that actually reminds me a little bit of and is a good segue into talking about this August start date because I've seen so many different opinions and how it will affect different players in different ways and sometimes I think it's it's easy to be like this is a good decision or this is a bad decision but like this is going to affect every single person that works in AFLW very differently what are your top level thoughts about this August start so I guess you know there, there are going to be benefits for a group of people and then they're going to be some real challenges for others um I guess I always my mind instantly goes to those who are closer to my age and 30 and above who uh, more strongly connected perhaps to what their off-field career is. Um, there are some real challenges in, in a change to a fixture and a change to a season, a change to pre-season commitments, um, how long an off-season break might be. Um, and then I consider some of my younger older team, younger teammates who were, who were my teammates. Um, and, you know, I think of a Lily Postlethwaite who... Um, I believe she's still 20 years old, did an ACL last year, probably could have played late this season, but is on the inactive list. And she's got an August, hopefully an August date to look forward to. And um, you'd expect she'd be pretty ripe and ready to play, play some seriously good footy. So um, yeah, as I said, in a balanced conversation, there'll, there'll be people who are who are really stressed out about it, and there'll there'll be others who are really excited about it. Um, and then the next question is how you remunerate players and staff around that, assuming that if it does become an earlier start, that a mid-year start rather than an end of year or, or start of year calendar, um, maybe that means there's more room for growth as the season becomes longer. Um, you push you know, earlier into say autumn and winter as the season grows. So I think there are, there are elements of positive there too, where you can see um, some strategic benefit and, and some room for growth in the season. I was going to say that I think the, the big positive is, well, the general consensus seems to be that most people like the August start date just in terms of the weather, because you've played in it. <laughs> we've all watched it. Summer, not a great time for footy, just not a great time for footy. What, like, how how much of a benefit is it going to be if we do move to that time of year and all of a sudden we're not worried about 36-degree weather and howling <laughs> winds and things like that? Like, how much is it actually going to help these players as someone who was literally only playing in these conditions last year? It's an interesting question. I think 
as a player, you have to take your mind to a point where the heat doesn't matter. And we were really good at that at Brisbane. We, we, we always had a Saturday morning pre-season training session and it was, um, it was brutal. And the humidity in Brisbane, I think if you, as of growing up in Victoria and living in Victoria for the first 31 or 32 years of my life, um, you cannot appreciate the humidity in the Brisbane summer um, until you actually train in it and live in it. And it's still actually this week has been incredibly humid. Um, what are we, pretty much mid-March nearly. So uh, I, if, I, if, it, if I was still playing, I wouldn't know myself. And one thing I did appreciate about the humidity and the heat was um, my knees didn't hurt as much. <laughs> it's, um, that, that's been nice moving up north. Um, so it could present some challenges for the older bodies, to be quite honest, but it would also be um, from a recovery perspective, you'd, you'd expect... Um, you know, way less issues with dehydration, sweat loss, mm. weight loss due to sweat each game. Um, yeah, it would probably feel more like, particularly for us um, southern and southern states, um, feel a bit more like what footy's always been. And just uh, from the fan perspective, at one of the games this year in Melbourne, I got quite bad sunburn despite putting sunblock, oh. like putting sunblock on during the game. And I was like, as a fan, it bodes very well for me for it to not be nice. <laughs> That's funny. I'm not sure what other clubs do, but having worked a couple of the Lions games, they've actually engaged a sunscreen sponsor. And so there's these these people walk around with um, little sample packs of sunscreen. It's unreal. Um, I can't remember the brand, but it's a good brand. At the Collingwood home games, they've got a very good brand of okay. sunscreen. <laughs> I'm used to working ABC radio, so we don't talk brands on air. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just reference the product, not the brand. <laughs> yes. I love that. But seriously, sunscreen, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, big believer. Yeah. You, you gotta. I did want to ask though about the move up to Brisbane because we were talking about a little bit before we hit record about the Melbourne footy bubble and how kind of all consuming it is. Have you noticed since you moved up to Brisbane, is there a difference? Is it a different kind of bubble is it different being a player versus now just being in the media what's it actually like up there I absolutely love it it's um it's nothing like I love Melbourne as well um so it's as a player coming from being captain of Carlton in that first season was an incredible experience um it became as I was I was turning 30 in that first season and so I'd lived a big chunk of my adult life as this independent, responsible person who just went about it and nobody knew who I was. And all of a sudden I was 29, 30 and people were staring at me in shopping centres and it took me a little while to cotton on. Probably wasn't the quickest at figuring out what was happening, but people were just recognising me and I, I'm i not quite... I, it really um, it did take me a little while to figure out that it was, it was okay and that, that's a good thing that people are staring because they're recognising female athletes and... They know that AFLW is a thing and women play footy and that's cool. Um, and then coming up to Brisbane, my first season, I would have I actually stayed with a host family. It was a wonderful, wonderful older couple. Um, they hate me calling them older. Um, beautiful, beautiful people I, I lived with for my first season. And um, it wasn't until I had to move back to Melbourne for the, that winter after the season to work, to return to work in Melbourne and um it wasn't until I, I walked across to the cafe opposite the house I'd been living in for probably six months and I was moving out that day and I was going to drive to Melbourne and I had um, a logo on in the cafe and someone said, oh, 
do you play football? And it was the first time in six months of me living in Brisbane. Like we'd had our season, everything had happened. Um, and I really like that. It's um, yeah. People love sport up here in Brisbane. People love, um, most people love AFL. A lot of other people love NRL. But um, it's just, I really like the fact that people take you for who you are. People don't make assumptions about you because they know you play mm-hmm. footy. Um, and that's just my personality. And I think it suits a lot of the group up here as well, men and women um, of the Lions, is that um, it, you, there's never preconceived notions of who you are or what you're about. Um, you know, some, most, of the, most of us look super fit and walk around and look like athletes, but you don't get treated any differently. Whereas obviously the footy obsession in Melbourne, which I loved growing up in, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that can have an impact on a number of athletes depending on what your approach is and can be a serious distraction and uh, certainly doesn't exist up here in Brisbane, which is really nice. My brain is just in such a pandemic mode that when you said everyone was recognising you for the first time, I literally was like, that's so impressive, even with your mask on. (laughs) That was way before then. (laughs) It's crazy. Time flies, doesn't it? Honestly, I feel like it's just since 2017 is just, we've just blinked and we're here. But that's a good segue into, I guess, how has it been watching the league develop? It's really cool. It's super exciting. Um, I always reflect on my time from when I first started playing footy and, um, you know, truth hurts, but most of my family would never even come watch me play footy. And then you have people who know who you are and they, they wear your number on your, back, on your back and they call out your name and it's, it's so powerful. And I think the conversation has been ongoing and will continue around the benefits for young boys and girls and older, older men and women and everyone in society around what, a physical sport like AFL and, and women doing so well is it's just so powerful. And to be somewhat involved in that is um yeah, often, you know, when when we have conversations like this, you kind of catch yourself and remember what, what's been going on. And um yeah, it's it's really cool. And watching watching the development of the league and where all of the standards and all of the support and everything has gone to is um is amazing. And you know, the, I'm sure a lot of players have talked about this in the past but the true measure was always day one of pre-season your new teammates have been drafted and your, your teammates from the previous year who've been delisted because those are the rules and people have to be let go in, in professional sport um, they were always really really good and then you see the new new lot come in who've been drafted and they just take it to a whole nother level um, and it's always the best indicator and I think for anyone who really closely follows AFLW, that, that would be my advice. If you, if you want to know where the league's at, don't go to round one. Go to the first training night and, um, and just watch the difference. Um, and it's, it's amazing and it's one big reason why I knew it was time for me to retire because I could hardly keep up, to be honest. Physically, I wasn't born an athlete. I was, you know, developed and growing up and just loved football. So... You know, there's always this balanced conversation since the league started around um, are they a footballer or are they an athlete? And I think now, probably in the last two years, I think it's become you have to be both. You can't. Mm-hmm. And even in even in the first season and the second season and perhaps the third, it, it was you could be one or the other. And so, you know, clubs were drafting athletes and deciding that they could turn them into footballers. And for many players that worked, for some it didn't. Um, and then for those of us who are that little bit older and not athletically blessed, it was how long can we hang on and how much better athletically can we get? 
um, while we're trying to work and, and take our other parts of our lives seriously. Because for me, like I said earlier, um, I'd, I'd lived 29 and almost 30 years of footy not mattering. <laughs> and so there's a whole bunch of other things in my life that I care about and I want to put time into. So um, it's amazing to watch the growth and to sometimes just considering, and I know there's an ongoing conversation around what, what's next, um, yeah. even just considering what could be next or, or what might be in not five years or 10, what's 15 or 20. Um, you know, sometimes that gets a little bit too big for my brain. Yeah, I have to ask off the back of that, what, what's a hobby of yours that you've been able to invest in since retiring? <laughs> um, that's a really, really good question and probably <laughs> a little check for me because I've thrown myself into coaching um, yeah. and I had this idea that I would have all this time back. Um, what I have is more space for others not necessarily time for myself, um, which is really cool because I always battled. I caught up with um, one of the girls at the Lions this morning actually for coffee and we were talking. She's closer to my age and we were just talking around um, how, how you actually, it's, it's a requirement to be a selfish person, to be an athlete. And um, there's a number of us that battle with that um, and it's not probably in our nature and you have to actually get good at doing a lot of things in your life selfishly and not giving back to others. Um, and that's something that's always been really important to me. It might sound really cheesy, um, but, you know, throwing, throwing myself into my teaching. Um, I work at a school that's into its second ever year here in Brisbane and it's just so exciting. I love working there and the opportunities that it brings and the young people I get to work with. Um, and then coaching in the Lions Academy. I'm still doing radio. Um, there's, yeah, I, I was probably a bit silly to think that I would have time for another hobby. Um, but now I've started talking about it. I, um, I've embarrassingly gotten onto skateboarding. <laughs> oh, I'm obsessed with that. So, That's so cool. It's not cool. If you see me, it's not cool at all. Um, I've got some very cool ex-teammates um, in Beldors and Jesse Warbler who are very good skaters and um Jesse reliably informs me that what I wear on a skateboard is not cool. Um, yeah. So I'm imagining my, are you fully decked out like <laughs> elbow pads, knee pads, helmet, like some other padding to just protect you kind of situation? I'm willing, I'm willing to embarrass myself here. So <laughs> no, when I started, my partner strongly discouraged me from buying anything skateboard related. Because it came out of, we actually at my school, which is an incredible school, Brisbane South State Secondary, we um, in our PE curriculum, we're, we're doing skateboarding with our kids because it's an inner city school and we know if we can teach them to skate, they can be more active and get out and about and go places they want to be and interact with friends. And so I've jumped on a skateboard in these PE lessons and realised after getting over some initial fears, it's actually really fun and I'm not contracted anymore. So it doesn't really matter if I fall off. Um, and anyway, so my partner was like, don't buy skate shoes. Don't buy a skateboard. Like it's a fad kind of thing. And I was like, nah. And so initially I wore my bike helmet. Oh. <laughs> and, oh, it's horrendous. It's so bad. I had a bike helmet. I had like gym clothes and ASICs runners it was just it was I'm just size. imagining like that just opposed with Jesse Wardlaw who is 
but just so cool. It got <laughs> Jessie's lovely. I love her to death, and we have some great honesty with each other. And she pointed at my shoes and said, "That's this. Something's got to. Something's got to change here." <laughs> Um, she has taught me some cool tricks though so um that's um that's been really fun and I guess that's my hobby yeah that's a great one well it's only good when I can go in the middle of the day and there's no one at the skate park (laughs) (laughs) because um you know being a female athlete and playing AFLW brings a lot of confidence but being a um a 34 year old learning to skate is not something that brings confidence <laughs> it's really it's it's awesome because it's so humbling and um yeah if we talk mindfulness and having to just be in the moment skate skating is the way to go it's been awesome <laughs> I love that so so much you did mention also just that you know now obviously you've got more time to kind of give back through your teaching through the coaching as well you've still got your media commitments I'm really interested in kind of how you're viewing the game now because you're not a player. So you're kind of on the other side of the fence. Has it changed the way you're kind of viewing the game or is it same diff? Um, It probably changes depending on who's with me and what my role is at the ground. If I'm working, it's really fun. Like when I've done, when I've done boundary, I much prefer doing special comments when I'm on radio um, I like talking through the game and having a conversation. When you're on the boundary, you're actually kind of just by yourself chatting off air with the camera guys who are lovely. Um, it can be hard to kind of weave into the conversation on, on the boundary, um, but it's still really fun because I know lots of the people involved and I can talk to players from both teams and often there's a coach from one of the teams and you can just say hi and have a chat before the game or whatever. It's really fun. Um, if I'm watching on the couch, I'm no, I'm not fun at all. It's um, I'm not good company, <laughs> and I wasn't. I didn't think. Uh, it's really. I find it really exciting. Like I really, when I played, I hated. I didn't hate watching footy, but there was, there was probably. I, I was very analytical, and I just wanted to know what I needed to know when I watched other teams. I didn't want to watch the broadcast. I didn't. I felt like as a player, you're so limited on time. I just wanted to watch the game edits and clip it up. I didn't want to listen to all the other, what would be unfairly called fluff. Like it just didn't interest me. Whereas now if there's a game of footy on tonight, I'm excited. I want to sit down and watch it. But sometimes if I'm, yeah, if I'm off air and I'm on the couch at home, I can be a little bit critical um, or just a bit of a goose and get really excited, particularly watching the Bulldogs and always the Lions, I get really excited. But I have so much fun watching the Bulldogs and I think I feel connected to a number of those players, but particularly Berkey and I know Mel Hickey's there, Kirby Bentley's there, Natalie Wood, who I've also played with at Darabin. Um, I don't know. I just love watching Kirsty Lamb play footy. Um, I never thought I'd fangirl Kirsty Lamb. We used to run into each other and hate each other as opponents in the old VFLW or VWFL. Um, but geez, it's so much fun watching her play footy. Like she just so reliable, such a team player and just step, this year has just stepped up in so many big moments. It's unreal. Yeah, I can imagine it's very different when you're, uh, you know that they're your opponents and you're watching them being like, oh, they're looking pretty good as opposed <laughs> to just being like, I can now just enjoy them being yeah. good from a distance. <laughs> and like get a, I think I've probably developed more of a love for other teams and other players because there's space to do that, whereas when you're competing against them, 
there was no room in my head really, like unless they were close mates. And I, there are a few around the league. Even when that happens, like you still don't want to get too familiar until the season's finished and then you can kind of return to this friendship that is always there. But during the season, it, it's kind of hard to maintain it at times. I guess my final question is, are they going back to back this year? <laughs> I really hope so. Um, there's no doubt the squad is capable. Yeah, and it's just going to be a matter of um, what's required to get that done. Um, obviously, there's there's huge amounts of hard work and dedication and commitment involved in winning a premiership, but there's also huge elements of luck. Um, if you look at any of those, particularly the top four, who I think um, are legitimate legitimate opportunities to win win this whole competition. Um, one or two key players with niggles or injuries that leave them out of a certain game. We've seen what's happened late in the season with Kiara Bowers out of the Fremantle side. Um, not to disrespect anything that Melbourne's doing, I think they're amazing and, mm. a, and an absolute contender. Um, no one would have predicted that scoreline of Melbourne Fremantle. And you, there are elements, again, with COVID that you can't control as well. So... Um, I really hope that everything falls into place. Um, obviously, Brisbane is my heart and, and a lot of my really close people. So um, I hope so. And it's it's going to come down to a fair bit of luck for, for whichever team does win. And I'll get one more tip from you. Best and fairest, who, Ooh, who's gosh. kind of – I know there's a lot of players and literally every time we do an episode we're like, how good was she? How good yeah. was she? Like, so we know that there are lots of options to choose from, but who yeah. is tickling your fancy? Honestly, like I – with best and fairest, like, it's an umpire-voted system, right? Um, oh, I just – I literally pulled my phone out and looked at the stats because there are so many players <laughs> – there are so yeah. many players who are so good who will never even poll. Um, and so, well, here's one for you. Emily Bates, mm. um, you know, she's had she's had an unbelievable year. Um, obviously, Noffy and Han Hatchard um, at the Crows, Ash Riddell's numbers are ridiculous. Um, I all, I've always loved watching Jazzy Garner play. I, I'm not sure if North have won enough games at particular points of the season um but I, yeah I guess I don't know a dream would be um Batesy or Lammy that'd be pretty cool yeah I'd love that um not um Lauren Arnell on a skateboard <laughs> nobody wants to see that That's, I need to go alone and nobody needs to see it <laughs> I, I want vision now. I want like, you know, you have the kids, they set up their phone and they do their little tricks yeah. and then they post it on Instagram. I want those videos, please. Like Jessie, make it happen. Jesse Wardlaw's got a couple of clips of me and I um, I put it up on Instagram at one point. There's a reason my Instagram is locked. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but all, everyone's so supportive. But sometimes online you don't know if they're having a laugh at you or if they're actually like getting around you. So yes. Nah, it's um I encourage anyone, whatever it is, whether it's playing footy or um skating or something else outrageous that you don't think you can do, give it a go because it's um it's humbling, but it's also it's also super fun. It's very good advice and this has been a very <laughs> fun chat. Thank you so much yes. for jumping on with us. We've had an absolute ball and hopefully mm-hmm. we can have a chat again in the seasons to come. 
thank you both. All the best um, for the rest of the season and the year. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.